Every play, every musical, begins with some writer putting words on a page. Hello, and welcome to Stagecraft, the Broadway radio podcast that talks to playwrights and musical book writers about the shows they've created. My name is Jan Simpson, and joining me this week is Anna Ziegler, whose play The Last Match is running at Roundabout Theatre Company's Laura Pell Space. Hello, Anna Ziegler. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. Thanks for having me, Jim. Um, I wondered if we could start off with your just describing uh, a little bit about the last match. Sure. Um, so at its core, I would say the last match is about uh, a U.S. Open semifinal that we travel through uh, inside the minds of the two men playing the match. So uh, it is not a typical match in that in that sense because um, being inside their minds allows allows us to spend some time off the court in other moments of their lives that they're thinking about as they're playing the match uh, that I think or hope explain sort of why the match progresses as it does and why why certain elements of the match are important to them. And this is basically though a, a show about the definition of success and the cost of success. Is that right? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, um, that's absolutely right. Why then did you decide to set it in the world of tennis? Are you just a big tennis fan? Or? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I am a big tennis fan and a former sort of kid player. And, ah. uh, and I had, um, I think for a long time thought of using tennis as a landscape for a play and, uh, and didn't find my way in um, until uh, I think I started writing the play in 2012, shortly after Andy Roddick retired. Um, and he was, uh, I was a big fan of his when I was growing up and, you know, we're around the same age. And when he, when he retired, it really, it hit me kind of hard. Both I, I found his sort of retirement speech very moving and he made it on court at the U.S. Open. And uh, and it was it just really struck me that this guy my age was kind of leaving this entire the, the life behind that he had known and uh, and I, I think in the end that was my my way in so it was you know both wanting to write about tennis because it's so sort of richly metaphorical and also um, finding a sort of emotional route for myself. So was it the 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 game first or was it the idea of success and competition first or did they just sort of merge yeah it's a little hard to unravel it I would say um I mean I think the that notion of sort of ambition and what drives us and what constitutes success and is anything ever enough I mean those ideas are certainly uh have been very alive in me for a long time and and I have other plays that examine them um, in other, probably less um, direct ways. So it's, so those things have been on my mind. And I think, in, you know, in some ways the play is as much about, you know, striving or as in, in, um, in any other arena as it is about, you know, sort of athletic striving. Um, so I, I think it's sort of universal in that way, um, or I hope it is. And... Yeah, I mean, and then and then the game, specifically the game of tennis, I guess just felt like the right container for it at a certain point. 
And the decision to make one of the uh, players Russian? You know, I just really wanted to write a fun Russian character. <laughs> I think there was that voice was in my head and had been in my head for a long time. Um, there's a there's a player, um, for those who don't know tennis, there's a player named Novak Djokovic who's, um, who be- has become a very successful player, but earlier in his career, and he's actually Serbian, not Russian, but uh-huh. he uh, was a sort of, you know, very sort of colorful, sort of fiery character uh, who would lose it on the court, um, you know, tear his shirt off and, and you know, really um, go nuts. And I, and, I, and I would watch his interviews and I found just his way of talking and behaving um, very compelling and wondered what was behind that. So, um, so I wanted to write this character who was sort of on the cusp of greatness but couldn't quite harness himself um, you know, was a little bit self-destructive uh, and couldn't quite get himself there. He is fun, <laughs> uh, as you've written him. Okay, so. really is fun. Um, another thing that you've you've done is the play moves back and forth in time, and I know that's because we're in the minds of this uh, Russian up-and-comer and this American kind of golden boy but this is also a technique you've used in 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 your other plays and I was just wondering what is it that attracts you about the concept of this back and forth in time right well I mean I guess on the one hand I feel like that's how we experience life um that we are always um imagining ourselves um at other points in time uh and and I think theater can sort of capture that in a way that um, maybe some other sort of genres of writing can't as easily. That that you know, one moment you can be here, at one moment you're suddenly you know a decade uh, a decade earlier, and and it's seamless in your in your mind. So I I feel like this sort of landscape of the mind that the that theater can capture is always really exciting to me. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it would be very different if it were a movie. Um, it wouldn't flow as easily, perhaps, as it does right, on right. stage. Yeah. That, uh, the last match has been done in San Diego and Pittsburgh before. Is that right? Yes. Has it changed in any significant way? Um, between those productions and this one? Yes, it has. I mean, though, I'm not sure that um, that others would find it so significant, but it's, But I would say there... I mean, I've changed a lot of scenes. I've... Um, I think even since you saw the play, I have rewritten the ending. There's been a lot of um, that sort of constant changing. I'm, I'm always changing things until I can't anymore. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, the play has changed in sort of large and small ways over time and um, really just as an effort to get it as tight as it can be and, um, you know, to kind of balance the comedy with, um, you know, what I hope are the more sort of weighty themes that, that the play explores. That's interesting, particularly because this is a busy time for you. Um, you also have... Uh, another play opening uh, in a few weeks, right? Uh, with Manhattan, I do, yes. Manhattan Theater Club. Um, could you just talk very briefly 
about that play, actually? Yeah, so it is, um, it's about a sexual misconduct hearing um, at Princeton University, and it's a two-person play, and uh, in some ways, it, what, it, what it has in common with The Last Match is that it is also a kind of look into the minds or psyches of people that we don't have access to while we're just observing them. Hmm. So uh, so these two students um, are narrating for us or taking us through not just this hearing, but really the moments in their lives that got them there as they sort of try to figure out what could have led to this, to this moment um, for both of them. So it's so yeah, it's a, it's a it's an exploration of of I, I think the the culture that um, teenagers are raised in today that boys and girls what expectations um, boys and girls are <laughs> uh, raised with and um, and what repercussions those might have. Like um, many of your plays, it deals uh, head on with gender issues and gender identity. Identities, and I was wondering if um, the last match doesn't really do that. And did you intentionally decide to do something different? I'm, I'm thinking about your plays, uh, Photograph Fifty One, um, Boy, some of your other works that really look at gender. Was the decision to do something different with this one, the last match? Um, I feel like uh, calling it a decision would be giving too much credit to, um, you know, sort of unconscious um, artistic impulses. I mean, I, I think that, uh, no, each play for me, I would like to say that I, I really set out very purposefully to do what I, you know, to write a play about something, but I don't tend to do that. Um, I sort of get drawn to a subject and then try to find the story that's there. Um, and that's what happened with last match. I mean, I really, as I said, I was really, I had this Russian tennis player's voice in my head and I had to figure out what the story was about him. And then I had, um, that Andy Roddick moment in my head too. And, and wanted to find the sort of American sort of aging tennis player on the cusp of retirement and figure out what what the story was between these two men so it 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 really was um it started with i think that play really did start with sort of character for me and and maybe theme to a certain extent and uh and and then the story came out of that was there a role model for tim the american uh the older american player not older but (laughs) older by tennis standards yes exactly Mm -hmm. um yeah i mean so roddick and i think you know to the to the extent that um tim porter has won many grand slams um he's uh a sort of federer type you know who who has Mm -hmm. is, is probably one of the best tennis players of all time um and is you know, and is therefore, uh, you know, somebody fighting this moment of his uh, body not um, cooperating uh, anymore. You know, more intensely than than others might, because he's he's lived these incredible highs um, on the tennis court, and his body has been so good to him, um, and has you know does what he wants it to usually. And now it's really hard to. Uh, conceive of the fact that that it might be starting to fail him. Well, I know you had obviously these uh, 
two sort of role, role models sort of floating around in your head. Um, but I was also struck by the fact that the women in their lives, um, Sergei, the Russian, has a girlfriend, fiance, Tim has a uh, wife, that both of the women seem to embrace traditional definitions of achievement. One really wants to be a mother, the other really wants to be a wife, they're helpmates. Um, and I wondered, would the play have been different if the players had been women? You know, I, I have thought about that only, you know, well after writing the play, you know. Um, and yeah, I think it would be a really different play. I mean, in the same way that um, I think the play would be different if um, these characters were Chinese. I mean, you know, like, I think yeah. that it would be a, diff- a different play. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I do sort of wonder why I was drawn to write these guys, but I, I really do think it was it was in part because I uh, I think have been a big fan of the men's tennis game, and which is not to say I'm not a fan of the women watch it too, but I think at least in my sort of formative years, the men's game was so exciting, um, and there were these intense rivalries that the women's game didn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that that's probably, you know, even unconsciously what led me to these characters. But, you know, I do think that the women, I mean, for instance, Tim Porter's wife is a former player um, and uh, and is sort of is also trying to reconcile what to do with her life now in the in the wake of her own retirement. Um, and I think that becoming a mother is complicated for her um, and being this famous person's wife is complicated for her. Uh, and sort of comparing herself always to this major champion who achieved something that she didn't achieve. But, you know, how many people can live up to the very best person Mm -hmm. in the the field? So it's not really a fair comparison. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I feel like her um, wants are traditional so much as she's just trying to figure out what's going to give her life meaning. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, And I think... Um, without giving too much away, you know, she struggles to have a child. And I think the that there is something in the struggle that makes her want it all the more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of your uh, plays, your, your, your former plays, uh, Photograph 51, had a very successful uh, run in London two years ago, I think. Um, yes. Uh, with Nicole Kidman playing... Um, the scientist Rosalind Franklin, who was very instrumental in the discovery of DNA, but sort of got shoved aside by um, uh, history, at least, uh, um, so that the real spotlight went on James Watson and and, and Francis Crick. Um, that play was so well received there. I wonder, is there any chance we're going to see it here in New York? <laughs> um, yes, there is a chance it will come to New York. Um, I can't really speak to any, you know, in any more specific way than that, but I would say there's, there's, there's a chance, yes. Oh, that's exciting. Um, I want to ask one more thing. Um, I know that you uh, studied, actually have a master's uh, in poetry, and I just wondered in general, what effect has that had on the way you approach uh, playwriting? 
Yeah, it's true. I wrote really mostly poetry um, until I was in uh, my sort of early to mid 20s and wrote it a lot and very seriously. Um, and I, it was really um, kind of on a whim that I started writing plays. I, I had um, taken all these poetry courses in college and then there was a playwriting course that I could uh, that I applied for my senior year and you had to apply you know with a scene or you know a play that you'd written and I didn't have that so I applied with a poem and uh, and you know luckily um, the professor Arthur Kopit um, admitted me and saw something in that poem that felt theatrical to him and uh, and he then um, also taught in the grad program at NYU where I later ended up uh, and I guess and then it became a real departure from poetry for me in, in ways that I feel very conflicted about all of a sudden I just stopped thinking of poems and started thinking of plays and I console myself with the idea that um, that the poetry is in the plays you know that that what I am at least drawn to or trying to do is um, bring a kind of uh, heightened sometimes um, lyricism to uh, what might otherwise be a sort of naturalistic landscape so that we um, have a different lens through which to view um, sort of everyday experience that it becomes a little bit more uh, magical maybe through the use of certain kind of language. Well, you know, that loss for poetry is a gain for for us theater lovers. So we're we're, we're glad you made <laughs> that you. switch. Um, uh, and and thank you again for 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 talking with us. The last match opens next week. Um, yes, of uh, the yes, next week. Um, as we're talking, uh, that's uh, October twenty fourth. And um, how long is the run right now? I'm sure it's going to be extended. But it how- is. <laughs> scheduled to go uh till december 24th oh great so that gives that gives uh people um uh, a lot of time to see it it's um at the roundabout theaters uh laura pell's uh theater and uh again thank you very much anna ziegler thanks for having me and thank you for joining us we hope you'll come back next time and that you'll listen to all the other Broadway Radio podcasts, which you can find on broadwayradio.com.